think one of the most valuable, uh, thanks Chris for sharing, I think one of the most valuable things that can happen in, in, a, in a church, church is a, is a community, it's a community of believers, and um, one, of the, one of the ways that I would want to see men interact with each other is, is very much scriptural. It talks about the older men teaching the younger men, speaking in the younger men's live, lives, and I would love to see that just continue to increase and increase, increase, increase in this church because I, I think it's, it's very valuable. Um, and I think speaking words of encouragement, um, build, you know, it's, it's very biblical. Encourage one another and build one another up. You know, older men teach younger men. Older women teach younger women. God lines this stuff out here in the scripture and uh, we just need, we need to follow it and we need to obey it. And so, um, yeah, I would love to see, um, I would love to see even high school men as a part of this, just to be able to speak into into your life um, and encourage you. And maybe uh, don't despise some of us people that are almost gray, you know, because we have something to say to you. Um, we've, we've been there. We've done that. And so find value in the older generation in this church. There's a reason that we do message community on Thursday mornings. Why do you think that we gather to go over the message I'm about to preach to you on Thursday mornings? It's because there's, there's value in, in, the, in wisdom and there's value in community. There's value in collaborating together. And so that would be the heart. That's what I pray that this church, it, one of the things that it's known for is that very thing. So, um, yeah, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Um, we'll be there, and we'll be, we'll be there for a little bit, but that's probably where I want you to kind of focus. If you're going to turn to one place this morning, go to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 19 through um, 22. Um, so this year, the, the theme for this year is trust. Um, and you're going to see this word in, in your bulletin every every for the next 52 weeks, is the word trust. Um, this word, I hope, will serve as a reminder to you to trust in the Lord. Um, and on January the 20th, as Gus already alluded to, we're going to begin an eight-week series called The Real God. Um, back in May uh, this past year, the staff went to a conference in Chicago uh, where we were introduced to a new study that Chip Ingram uh, has put together, and he wrote a book called The Real God. And he did, he did this study in conjunction with Right Now Media. And the study, The Real God, is on the attributes of God. Um, many years ago, we did a similar study on the attributes of God uh, using A.W. Tozier's work. How many of you guys are familiar with A.W. Tozier? Anyone? Solid, just solid stuff back in the 50s, and, but still applicable to today. And so... As I sat and listened to Chip speak, much of what he said really resonated with me. Here's something that he said. He says, what you think about God shapes your whole relationship with him. What you think about God shapes your whole relationship with him. In addition, what you believe God thinks about you determines how close you will grow toward him. Think about that for a second. What you believe God thinks about you will determine how close you grow toward him. Now, we live in a culture um, that only desires, really, only the desires for bits and pieces of God. Like, we don't really, 
We don't want the real God. We don't want the full God. We want the we want maybe the prosperity God, or we want the God that just kind of the overlooking God, or we want the we want a, a God that suits us, that that's fashioned in our own image and the way that we would want Him. Um, but we would say that we trust Him. Maybe it's so that we can say that we can trust Him. Um, and I think we we need to relearn again, and we may always need to do this a couple, every couple of years what it looks like to trust all of who God is, every bit of him. And so our desire as we begin 2019 is to paint a clear picture of the magnitude of the God that we say that we trust. And we plan to do this, this real God with our adults, with our youth, with our children. Um, it's going to permeate all of, all of Crossroads for, for eight weeks beginning January the 20th. Now I'm going to poke you a little bit. Before we begin this series, um, we felt that it's important to begin by looking at trusting God in our giving. Okay, so we're going we're to talk about money this morning. Yes, we are. Um, let me preface everything that I'm about to say by thank you. Thank you, thank you for giving to the work of the ministry. Um, God has allowed us to do a lot of great things in 2018. Um, and yeah, and so I want to, I want to begin by saying that my, and I want to tie your giving to trust. Okay. I want to tie your hearts to giving this morning. How much, really, how much do you trust God? And maybe another question would be what, what do you trust God with? Think about that for a second. I'm going to give you just a moment to think about it. How much do you trust God? And what do you trust God with? I would say the number one thing that we trust God with is our health. And here's why I think that. Because when you sit in a small group or you sit in a prayer meeting, what is the number one thing, the number one request for God? sickness, right? That is the number one thing that gets requested. And not just for yourself, but you also will trust God with someone else's health. And maybe you'll even trust God with someone else's health before you trust him with your own health. You'll go, hey, could you pray for this or that? You know, we certainly trust God with our health. Um, maybe a question would be, why? Because it's so precarious and we really can't, we can't control it all the time, Right? We can't control the things that are happening to us. And so there's almost like there's this thing where we have to trust God. Um, I think our children are another thing that we, we trust God with. <laughs> we have to, right? Children can be, they can be precarious. They can do things that we don't want them to do and that we have no control over and that we can't, yeah, we can't control. And so oftentimes our prayer, maybe our second prayer, that we pray for is our kids, right? Um, God, I just want to give them, give them to you. Um, but what about, what about your finances? Do you, do you trust God to provide for you? Um, do we? Um, I think one of the greatest indicators of the answer to that question is found in how you steward God's money. 
If I looked at, if I looked at your, your checkbook, I could probably indicate what, what's really important to you and what, how much do you trust God? Maybe another, another way to say this is, is, where do you find your security? Think about that for a second. I think trust is linked to security. If I trust something, I feel secure in that, in that thing or that person. So if I say I trust God, then I feel a sense of security with God. Um, where do you find your sense of security? And if I'm honest with myself, I can find security in myself. This week, uh, we've been decluttering our house. And you know, there is a great peace and a great sense of security and satisfaction in getting everything in our home under control. Anybody else ever do that? Come on, be honest here. Yeah, we try, right? Um, sometimes I can find security in, in my abilities, right? I'm going to hone these talents. I'm going I'm to do this in such a way and do these things in such a way that I will find some security in, in my abilities. Sometimes in music for myself, I find, I find a sense of security and worth in that. Um, I, I find security in my health. Um, losing weight, working out. Man, there's a sense where Man, I've lost like I've lost 15, 17, 18 pounds now, and I just feel like, yes, I feel good, I feel secure, I feel good about myself. Um, but possibly the, the greatest place of security is found in our finances. Um, for most people, money is more than just a means to buy things that we need. Money is tied to our hearts. This week, I've been thinking about uh, the concept of financial security, right? We would use that word, and that's a word that permeates our culture, is financial security. Society has tied money to our hearts. We don't just say save financially or build up. We say financial security. Um, and so as we begin looking at trusting God this year, we have to, I think we have to begin at looking at our money. I realized in my own heart how much I, my, my heart is tied to my financial security uh, when I open my IRA statement at the end of October. And I usually don't open those things, and I usually don't look at them because I'm like, eh, I don't want to look at that. And I, I opened that up, and I was like, I went, what the heck just happened here? Because I hadn't looked at it in a while, and I literally lost like a bunch in, in October. And then, so then, you know, when, uh, when Christmas hits, December hits, you know, all of a sudden I, the market makes a rebound. I'm in Illinois, and I'm reading the paper, and the headline in the paper is like, stock market's up a thousand points. And I'm like, you know, and your heart kind of gets, woo, you know, you know, and you're like, oh, good, you know. Um, only to find that um, really it's down. It's really down for the year. Like that's, you know. And so then, you know, at Christmas, my my financial advisor is my brother-in-law, and I go to him. I say, "What in the world is going on here? Like, what are you doing? That should we do something different?" And anyway, my heart is tied to that. Um, I look, you know, I check my bank statements um, during the week. 
And I look, and if there's stuff in there, man, it feels good. If there's not, um, maybe I don't feel so good. Um, and it, Christmas just happened. But, um, but they reveal that finances have a hold of our hearts, and there is a sense of that we find security in those things. I'm holding on to this myth of financial securities, and yet we know that finances can come and go just like that. So what's the remedy to this heart issue? What's the remedy to that? We have to transfer our trust from finding security in our possessions to finding our security in God and His ability to take care of and provide for us. And the best way that I know to do that is by acknowledging the giver and returning to Him what's already His. It's in giving that God changes the attitude of our hearts towards money. It's true. And it's through giving that we find the security that we're looking for. And it's through giving that we learn to trust God with everything. Not just our health, not just our kids, with everything that we have. And so this morning, I just want to address the the attitude of your heart towards money. Uh, Is this a sermon on giving? Yeah, yes, we're going to do this in two parts. But it's not because God needs your money. It's because God desires you. He wants all of you. His desire is that you would worship him. His desire is that you would trust him in everything. And so this message, is, it's really about your hearts. And so if you have your Bibles, we're in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. And Jesus just puts it really plain here for us. He addresses the issue of our hearts, and he says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then let's look down at verse 24, and it says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let me make a disclaimer statement here. There is nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of money. I want to be very clear on that this morning. There is nothing wrong with that. The question is, how do we manage it, and what do we do with the money that God gives us? And so Jesus addresses our hearts, and he says, I, I think it's this way, God doesn't want your money, but he wants you. I think the statement there in verse 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so the question is, what do you treasure most, um, really? What do you trust God with? And since he's talking here about serving God or money, what do you, really the question is, do we treasure God? Do we treasure our our bank? Um, What do we treasure? Um, And I I think some other scriptures raise the question, is your money really yours? Where does your money come from would be a question. 
In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17, it says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. We know that, right? But to put their hope in God. And then he makes this statement here. He says, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And he, put, and he says this statement in the context of money and the love of money. He says, he goes on, he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. What do you think he's talking about there? You, security, trust, God, to take hold of the life that's really life. God is trustworthy. We can trust him with, with our, when we trust him with our finances, we always have enough. And we even have enough to share. And he says in doing this, that we will lay up for ourselves a firm foundation in the coming age. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves can't break in and steal. God's the one that provides you with everything that you have. Everything that we have comes from God. And so it makes sense then, in this, this next statement is that, and so in, in trusting God, we have more security than we'll ever find in our money. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? In trusting God, we have more security than we'll ever find in our money. I don't know about that. I'm not even sure that sometimes I believe that. And yet Jesus points out the precariousness of our finances. He points out the precariousness of financial security. He says, you can have it all today. Some thief could come in and steal it. It could rust away. And so the question is, do we trust God? And do we find our security in God? Or are we still finding our security in our, in our wealth? And maybe even the fact that we Maybe we don't have any, and we're always worried about it. Um, it's interesting that the founders of this country, every piece of money that's in your pocket right now, what does it say on the back there? Why, the, why does it say that? Why would it say, in God we trust? are backed by gold anymore. Hopefully God's doing something and we're going to trust him. Okay. Well, that, that's a logical statement there. I think the founding fathers had it right. They knew, right? We're found in this country on God and we know that, that easily that money can become something that we trust in. And so every time I take this piece of money out of my wallet and I look at the back of it and I go, 
okay, I'm not trusting in this. This is not my treasure. This is not the thing that I treasure the most. This is a tool. It's a resource for me to use. I'm going to trust God. Um, and God's the one that provides everything. And I think in trusting God, we will have more security than we'll ever find in our money. Um, think about Job. I've been reading a little bit in Job this week. And Job is a wealthy man. In fact, he's one of the most, it, the Bible describes him as the wealthiest man in the East, or the greatest man in the East is the way that the NIV says it. He's a man from the land of Oz. He's a man who lived blameless and upright before God. Job is a worshiper of God, and he's rich. He has a lot of money. He owns 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys. He's the greatest man among all the people in the East is what Job one says. And we know the story of Job, don't we? In one day, Job loses everything. First servant comes and says, yeah, you've been raided. Your sheep are gone. Oh, next servant comes right on the heels and says, you know what? Your, your camel's gone. The Chaldeans came and took them. Your, your oxen, gone. Your donkeys, gone. Oh, and by the way, kids. They were feasting together, and they died. They're gone. How in the world would you respond to that kind of news? Here's how Job responds. Job 1, 21 says this. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. Then fell to the ground in worship and said this, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Whew. Do you think Job found his security in, in what he had? I don't think so. Now, Job goes on, and he, he has a really long dialogue with God. He's really struggling with God. Don't get me wrong. This is, like, this much to happen to one person is just crazy. I mean, if you think about it this way, the stock market of his life completely crashed, right? And this is his response. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Job had his heart in the right place. His treasure was in the right place. He realized that God is the one that supplies everything that we have for our enjoyment. This is the statement of a man whose security wasn't in his great wealth. Job's security was found in God. And I think this, this attitude is the same attitude that God would want us to have in our hearts towards our finances. There's, there's a different attitude in, in those who cheerfully give. There's, there's a, de a dependency upon God. There's an expectancy that happens when we, when, we, when we put our trust in the Lord. Those who give trust that God is the one that will provide for everything that they need. And you know what I found is that as I get, uh, give, I actually end up having more. And I don't necessarily mean that in a physical sense, Although sometimes and oftentimes that happens in my own life. But your view about 
what God has given you changes. Suddenly when I give, I find that I have enough. He changed, like giving changes the poverty mindset. Because in giving, he's changed my spending habits. He's changed what I do with my money. It, it truly can be better to give than to receive. And in giving, I also am, I'm also saying, God, you know what? I trust you and I treasure you. I treasure you more than, than this. So how do we demonstrate that, that we trust God by giving? How do we demonstrate this? I think we learn this, this statement, trust God by giving your best. Trust him. We study this in Proverbs, this verse in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9. It says this, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Here's how the NASB says, Proverbs 3 verse 9, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Or here's how the NLT says it, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Now in the Old Testament, we know that that, that was the tithe. Part of the first and the best was the tithe. And the word tithe, it means tenth. And so when the Israelites gave the first fruits of their crops, they gave the first 10% of what they, of what they took in. The people of Israel, they would store up their offerings and they would give the offerings to the priests and the Levites. Then the Levites lived on that 10%. And by the way, the Levites then gave, ten, were, gave a tenth of what they took in. In the law of Moses, the tithe is the standard. Because God provided the harvest, the first part was returned to him. It's a reminder that to Israel that all things that we have are his. And also, it's a way of thanking God and showing thankfulness for his provision. But even before the law was given, even before the law, we see in, in Genesis 14, we see Abram. He's the first person mentioned in Scripture to give the tithe. What did, why did he give the money? You guys remember that? He honored God in the victory that he had. And actually, he went back to get what was already his that had been stolen from him, and he, got Lot, and he went to get Lot, and so he, he defeats four kings, and, and then he meets Melchizedek, the, the priest, and who's mentioned in the New Testament uh, in Hebrews, and he's like, you know what? I'm so thankful that God just did this for me. Here, I want to give you a tenth, and that's the first time that we see that in the scriptures. And so he didn't give it to be blessed by God. He gave it because God had already taken care of him, already done what, what he needed. And so, so what you're saying to me, preacher, is that really? You want me to give the first fruits? Think about that for a second and think about the situation at this time. Honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of your crops. Whoa, the first tenth? 
What happens? What happens if I don't have enough at the end of it? God wants me to give to him first. Here's the deal. If you end with God, you'll never have enough for him. Giving to God first is an act of trust. You want to trust God with your wealth, with your finances? Try giving to him first. These guys didn't know. They didn't know a storm could have come right after they gave the first harvest, the first tenth, and could have wiped out all the rest of their crops. There's a danger in that. Scary to, to do that and trust God. Really? What if I don't get a good yield on my crops? If you trust God with the first fruits, you'll have to trust him with the rest of what he has as well. First fruits, it doesn't mean leftovers. If, if I gave to God at the end of my pay period, there, there likely wouldn't be anything left. Funny though, when I give to God first, there's always ends up being enough. We recently were tested on this. Um, I, in November, Karen, Karen went to the doctor back in, uh, man, it was like a long time ago. We'd forgotten she even went to the doctor. And you know how insurance companies, sorry. So all of a sudden there's a bill in the mail. And, uh, and, and the insurance company decides that they don't want to pay any of this, this one test. And, that's a, and I was just like, holy cow, this is a lot of money. Like I was, and I was tempted to call. I was like, I'm not paying this. This is ridiculous, you know, for one little test. But I had to test God. Here's the temptation that happens when you get those kinds of things. Well, you know what? Maybe what I give, I could, you know, I could pay for that. Um, of course, I didn't do that. Did not elect to do it that way. And you know what? The Lord ended up giving us everything that we needed and, and way more, way more than what we needed to pay the bill. And I could tell you story after story after story of how God does that. And so I trust God that God's the one that, that provides. He will. I would say this, you know, so what do I do? Here's what I would say to you. Don't, don't wait until you think you have something to give. Don't wait. You, you start now. You start with giving. Um, should, should I give even if I have nothing? Yes. In message community, I won't say who's, who's this, who this was, but this is a great story. The, this, is, this is God right here. So in message community, um, a particular person that was part of the message community was struggling with this whole concept of giving and kind of a poverty mindset and having enough. It's like, God, it would be a lot easier for me to give if I knew that you were going to take care of me. And so this person then uh, goes out and, man, I'm butchering this story, but I goes out and on the front, front door of the house is a $100 bill taped to his front door. Think about that for a second. So God's answer is, all right, I'll just give it to you. I'll give it to you so you can give it, you know? 
That's how God works. I, I promise you, he does that all the time. You know, the scripture in um, trusting God by giving your best, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord. This command isn't just with uh, what you give to charity or the church. I believe that this command applies to all of God's money. After all, all of it's his. Actually, 100% of it is his. And so to honor the Lord with our wealth means to honor, honor him with the 100% of what he gives us, every piece of it. And so, and kind of quote to wrap this thing up, million dollar question, so how much do you give? You know what? I can't answer that for you, and I'm not going to answer that for you. I, here's what I can say. The New Testament talks about giving generously. Gus is going to talk about that next week, so he gets, to, he gets to answer that question. I can say this. I can say sacrificially. But I want to say this, is that it's more about your heart. This is what I want you to think about as you go away this week. I want you to think about these questions, okay? First question is this. Am I chasing after money or am I chasing after God? What, what do I really treasure in this life? And then last question is this. If the same things that happened to Job happened to me, how would I respond? Would I respond like Job? Think about that. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust to destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful, God. Um, we acknowledge, Lord, we continue to acknowledge, God, that everything, Lord, that we have, it all comes from you, God. It comes from your hand. Lord, you've given us the ability to work. You've, you're the one who provides for us, God. You're the one who supplies all of our needs, God. And so we again say, God, that, we, that we're trusting you, Lord. We trust you, God. And in this act of giving, Lord, um, it's our way of saying physically, God, that we, that we do trust you. Lord, we know, God, that you are trustworthy um, above all things, Lord. We know that you're good. Um, and, and so, God, we begin this year, God, just thinking about our money. God, and what, we, and what we do with it, Lord. God, would this be a year, God, where you would reform, God, our, our way that we look at our finances, God. Um, Father, that we would uh, take bold steps, Lord, uh, in, in showing, God, our trust to you. Father, there's, there's no one like you. Absolutely no one, God. You're sovereign over everything. And God, we trust you, Lord, because you're holy. We trust you, God, because you're good. We trust you, God, because you are faithful, God, to your people. 
And so, God, speak to our hearts, Lord, as we think about these questions, God. We worship you now, God, in Jesus' name.